able to join us this evening. And uh, I really don't have a whole lot, so we'll let the nurseries and children go ahead and go. Meeting at 5 tonight, they said. So there you go. All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Romans in chapter number 1. And as I said, this holiday season, we are looking at the names of God. Last week, or the ways that we know Jesus, last week we saw that He was the Son of Man. This week, we're going to see that He is declared the Son of God. And as I was preparing this message, you know, I was thinking about all the stories that you know, you, you, you look at a story and you see someone looking out the window. And when they look out the window, lots of times they're looking with a longing or they're looking out the window to try and find an answer. There's, you know, there's significance to someone looking out the window. And so today I want us to think about, you know, when we read in the book of Genesis, in a book of Genesis we find that the Bible says that when God looked at His creation, He saw that it was good, that it was very good. But if we look out that window today, or if you look out the window at your home, what do you see? Do you see things that are very good? No, I think if you look out your window, you see that circumstances have changed. You don't see things are very good. You look out the window and you don't have to look very far until you see brokenness. You see hurt. You see death. You see hopelessness. And we could go on and on and on, but you get my point, right? The good world that God created is no longer present. So what happened? What happened to the very good creation that God created? How did it turn into what we have today? Well, sin is what happened. Man rebelled against God. Man desired to be like God. He wanted to determine for himself what is good and what is evil. And he got his wish. And what is the result? That man getting his desire to determine what is good and evil. What is the result of man determining what is good and evil? Look out your window and you see the result. By the way, the same is true in your life today. When you attempt to make your own decisions, follow your own way, it will lead to brokenness. It is only by submitting your life to Christ that you can find the pathway to flourishing, flourishing, the pathway to what is good. And so last week we talked about the plan of God from eternity past, and we talked about how that is known as the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. We talked about how all things work according to that plan. And so today, I want us to see that God has a plan for redemption that contained in the foreordained knowledge of God is the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Contained in that is God's plan for redemption. 
God's plan for redemption is to provide the way whereby God could redeem His people from their sin of rebellion, from all sin, the brokenness that is in this world. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem this world from its brokenness. God provides the means whereby His broken creation can be restored. And the plan is really simple. God will send His Son as a man to walk faithfully according to God's demands. He would be fully man so that he could be tempted in all points as we are tempted. He would be fully God so that he could be holy, so that he would be unaffected by the stain of sin. The Son of God will not have a sinful nature as we do. Death would not be passed upon him. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. He is God incarnate. That's why it's important for us to understand the virgin birth. But since he is born of a virgin, he is the seed of woman. And since he is the seed of woman, he is totally man. But because he was conceived of the Holy Ghost, he is totally God. He is qualified to be the one who can obtain eternal redemption for us. And we will see in our text today that Jesus is declared to be the Son of God. Let's read Romans chapter number 1, verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship, for obedience to the faith among all nations, for His name, among whom also ye, also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads to you today and we open your word, we thank you today that you have speak, spoken to us through your word. And I pray today, Lord, that we would receive your word as it is, the spoken word of God, and that we would believe it is all sufficient. It's everything that we need to walk in this life in a way that is faithful to you. So open our hearts that we might receive your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The first thing we want to see about Jesus being declared the Son of God is that we want to see that he was declared to be the Son of God by the gospel in the prophets. That's that's what it tells us in, uh, in, in verse number 2. It said, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scripture. So we see the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God at the end of verse number 1, that Jesus is declared to be the Son of God in the prophets, the gospel of God. Now we want to remember what the word gospel means. The word gospel means good news. And you know, it's during this time of year that we all can always think about the good news because what is the news that the angels bring? The angels said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. 
I mean, isn't that what we need, right? Don't we need peace on earth? And that's what the gospel is all about. And, and that's what the angels sang that day. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And so we understand the, the good news that comes because Jesus Christ has been declared be the sin, be, to be the Son of God. And it tells us that that gospel of God was given by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And so we have to go back to the Old Testament to see the prophets, to see what the prophets had to say. And, and where did the prophets proclaim this seed of woman that was going to come and crush the serpent's head. You, you find the, the gospel declared for the first time in the Proto-Evangelium. That's in Genesis chapter number 3 and verse number 15 where it tells us that Jesus would be the, the born of the seed of woman and He would crush the seed of the serpent. But that's not the only place. All throughout the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses, you see the gospel declared, whether it be Abraham offering Isaac on the altar, or whether it be uh, Moses in the ark sent to deliver his people. There are tons of places where Jesus is proclaimed, the coming Messiah who's going to come to restore this earth back to God's good creation. There's places, whether it's David in looking for the, the coming of his Lord in Psalm 110, or whether it's Isaiah speaking of the one who is despised and rejected of men to bear our griefs and carry our sorrows, or whether it be Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament that spoke of the one, that the coming of the Son of Righteousness that would come with healing in His wings. All throughout the Old Testament, the coming Messiah is proclaimed to us, the good news of the one that's going to come and crush the serpent's head, that's going to destroy the wickedness in, that's in this world, and the one that is going to bring peace on earth and goodwill toward men. All throughout the Old Testament you find the coming Messiah. And it tells us that, that Paul says here the gospel concerning Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, he says in verse number 3. So, so the, the gospel of God is concerning his son Jesus who's our Lord. He's made of the seed of David according to the flesh it tells us there in the text in verse number 3. And if you look at Jesus and you look at His lineage, it's, it's given to us in, in two different places. It's given to us in the book of Luke and in Luke chapter 3 and verse number 31, you find that it traces Mary's lineage. And it traces marriage, Mary's lineage through David's son, Nathan. And then if you follow the lineage in the book of Matthew, that is through Joseph's lineage. And it takes us through Solomon in Matthew 1.1. So, so in both places, both sides, you might say, of the family of Jesus, were, they could trace their lineage back to uh, the seed of David. Jesus is the promised Messiah, the son that was given to David, the, the son that was promised to David. And of, uh, it was said of David and, and, and his son, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And so... Throughout the Old Testament, it's declared to us, this Messiah is coming, and He'll be of the seed of David, and He will receive a kingdom, and of His kingdom there shall be no end. You see, Jesus is declared to be the Son of God all throughout the Old Testament. But then, Paul tells us in verse number 4, he says, and He's declared to be the Son of God. So we think about that word declared. What's that word declared mean? That word declared means marked out. Marked out. 
in Weymouth, Weymouth says that word means decisively proven. So, so Jesus is decisively proven throughout the Scriptures to be the Son of God. Now, it's a common colloquialism that we all might know that says, Well, I declare. And if you hear someone say, Well, I declare. They're, they're stating something that is true, right? That's known explicitly. They might say it with a little bit of surprise, but they're saying, Well, I declare that that thing is true. And that's what's happening here. The, the entire scripture is declaring to us so that we would know beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's so important for us to know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. How do we see that declared? It says, first of all, in verse number 4, it says that He's declared to be the Son of God with power. Now, as you read through the Gospels, you're going to see different places where that, where that word Son of God is used. But in Luke chapter number 4, you don't have to turn there, but Luke chapter number 4 and verse number 41, it says, and, Dave, and devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. Who knows that Jesus is the Son of God? The devils know. The devils know. The demons that walked upon this earth during the days of Jesus Christ. They knew that Jesus is the Son of God. And they declared, you are the Son of God. And just, just think about this. Some of you don't even have the faith of devils. You don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You, you don't have the faith of devils. Even the devils know that Jesus is the Son of God. It's also declared that Jesus is the Son of God at the raising of Lazarus. John eleven four 4, it says, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. John eleven twenty seven. She, Martha, said unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And then we find in, later on in John chapter number 11, verse 40, it says, Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had... When he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about him with a napkin. Jesus said to him, Loose him and let him go. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And what was the purpose? So the Son of Man, Jesus, might be glorified. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that was the voice of God speaking loud and clear. This is the Son of God. No one has the power on earth to raise from the dead. Only the Son of God. So Jesus is God in the flesh and He's declaring that, that, that He is the Son of God. And God is declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. So He's declared power, the power to raise from the dead. And, and we could give you 
many more examples of the power of Jesus and how it is declared that He is the Son of God by the power that He displayed while He walked upon the earth. But we'll not spend any more time there. We'll go back to Romans chapter number 1 and, and verse number 4 it says, And declared be this, to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. So, so the Spirit of holiness declares that Jesus is the Son of God. If you look throughout the Scripture, it is evident that, that men have a sinful flesh. Even God's most faithful men are shown to possess a sinful nature. A couple of quick examples, right? David, a man after God's own heart, committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Bathsheba's husband murdered. He's got a sinful flesh. Peter denied the Lord. James and John, full of pride. Paul was a murderer of Christians. Go throughout the Scripture. There's a sinful flesh in every character, in every man, except for one. And no man has come under greater scrutiny than Jesus. Throughout his life, they tried to trip him up. They tried to disprove his holiness. They tried to catch him in some type of sin. And even Satan himself came down upon the mountain and tempted Jesus. And we could go to, to Luke chapter number 4 and discuss how Satan offered him all the kingdoms of this world if Jesus would just bow and worship Satan. And what do we find? Under the temptations of Satan, Jesus was sinless. What about the multitudes throughout his life? They all watched him. They all tried to find ways to find a sin in the life of Jesus. The Sanhedrin scourged him, attempting to get him to sin. And he was found to be without sin. Even the test of time. You know, think about people that we know that have been famous for one reason or another, and then later on in their life you find out that there was some way to accuse them, and they lost their fame because of something they did in their past. Men have been trying for centuries to dig up dirt on Jesus, to find some way that He had done some sin, to find some way to prove that He is not God. And what have they found? Nothing. Jesus has stood the test of time. And not only that, but what testimony did others have towards Him? In 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 21, it says this, For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults you shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it you take it patiently, this is acceptable unto God with God. For even... For even hereunto you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving in us an example that we should follow His footsteps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but committed Himself to Him that judges righteously, who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. What do we find the Scripture saying about Jesus? 
There's no fault found in him. What about when he came before Pilate? That's what Pilate said, right? There's no fault in this man. What did Centurion say when he saw Jesus hanging on the cross? Truly, this was the Son of God. Now think about that. A Roman soldier testified as he saw Jesus. He's the Son of God. My point being, throughout the centuries, we have been able to see the holiness of Jesus Christ. And it is the holiness of Jesus Christ that declares to us that He is the Son of God. There is no sin in Him. And so His holiness declares that He is the Son of God. And then, He is declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead, right? That's what verse number 4 says, by the resurrection from the dead. Now, we know that He raised some from the dead. He raised Lazarus and He raised the daughter of Jairus. But they weren't raised with new bodies. They were raised to die again. The resurrection of Jesus was different. He was raised with a new body. Because we know as you see Him, He says, Look here, put your fingers in my hands and thrust your hand into my side. His wounds were present. He had the ability to appear in the room. But He could eat. And He could talk. The body that Jesus possessed was different. And Robinson in his word picture says that definitely marked off Jesus as the Son of God because of his claims about himself as God's Son and the prophecy that he would rise again the third day. And Jesus even said this of himself in Matthew 20, 19. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. And what do we find? We find Jesus being resurrected the third day, right? Think about how easy it would be to disprove, to prove that Jesus is not the Son of God. All they have to do is find the body of Jesus. Do you think He's been looked for in the 2,000 years since He's been, since he's been crucified? I mean... Let's think about it. They, they claim to have the shroud that he was buried in. They have that. I think it's called the Shroud of Turin. They have it. They have the shroud that he was buried in, but they have no body. I mean, if you want to prove that Jesus is not the Son of God and that he wasn't resurrected, just produce the body. They can't find it. Why? Because of where it's located. Where does Stephen say the body of Jesus is? Acts 7.55 But he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. The reason they can't find the body of Jesus is because Jesus is standing on the right hand of God. That body was resurrected and that body ascended to the Father and that body is there in heaven until that body will appear again in the clouds to call us up unto himself. The reason that they can't find the body of Jesus is because the body of Jesus is in heaven. In other words, the resurrection declares to us that Jesus is the Son of God. Folks, there is no doubt that Jesus is the Son of God. But you see, the case doesn't stop there. It's not only that He's declared to be the Son of God by power, 
It's not only that He's declared to be the Son of God by holiness. It's not only that He's declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead, but also He's declared to be the Son of God by Paul receiving. He says in verse number 5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. So, so he's talking about himself. Paul says, I'm going to declare to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I'm going to declare to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because I received grace. You see, Paul, being an apostle and writing this letter to the Romans, is proof that Jesus is the Son of God. And you say, well, well, why is it that Paul is a declaration that Jesus is the Son of God? And Paul says, it's because that I receive grace. What is grace, by the way? Grace is God's favor on the undeserving. Should Paul have received grace? Who was Paul? Paul was Saul of Tarshish. What did he do with Saul of Tarshish? Murdered followers of Jesus. Was he worthy of grace? Did he belong among the Christians? No. Paul didn't belong. He didn't deserve grace. But the grace he receives proves that Jesus is the Son of God because what would someone, uh, someone would put revenge on Paul. But Jesus loved his enemies. And Jesus loved Paul. You see, this is encouragement to us when we think about the life of Paul. Because sometimes we all struggle thinking about our worthiness. Whether, whether we belong, whether we deserve. Did Paul belong? Did Paul deserve? No. Paul deserved to be sentenced to death. He deserved the wrath of God. And what did God give Paul? Grace. You see, none of us are worthy. We're all born and dead in our trespasses and sins. And we all need grace. The same grace that Paul said he lived in. We all need that every day. There's not one of us here today that are worthy of anything that God has to offer us. We're all sinners. We, we need it every day of our lives. And so we can think about grace and be thankful that, that God gives us grace to save us and grace to sustain us. None of us are worthy. And that's the great thing about God saving Paul is we can see that if God saved Paul, who was unworthy, then He can save us, who are likewise unworthy. And if God showered His grace upon Paul, then we can know that God is going to shower His grace upon us. And that grace is grace to sustain us. Even when our faith is weak. Even when our faith is crumbling. And even there's times when we feel like we want to give up. There will be grace 
to sustain us. And you see, the important thing about grace is because what grace does. You see, grace declares because grace transforms. What transformed Saul of Tarshish into Paul the Apostle? Nothing but the grace of God. Paul transformed from being a persecutor to being a persecuted one. And you know, grace is still proclaiming, still declaring by transformation. When someone goes to the water of baptism, the, 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 the picture is they're raised to walk in newness of life. And so when one who is dead in their trespasses and sins begins to walk in the newness of life, what you're doing is you're declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because God has transformed you from one who was dead in their trespasses and sins to one who is now a follower of Jesus. So every day of your life, when you're no longer walking according to the old man, but you're walking in the new man and you're being transformed day by day into something new, you are declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because you're saying this is what God does. God transforms. And it's the grace of God that transforms us. So Paul says that I'm going to declare unto you because I have received grace, but also... Apostleship. You know, Paul was the last apostle. He was an apostle because he was an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ as one born out of due time. He was called to be the apostle of the Gentiles. He said this, Ephesians 3, 8, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul, the apostle, through grace, preaches the riches of that grace to the Gentiles. His apostleships declares that, he, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it goes on to say, for obedience to the faith among all nations, for His name. The grace and apostleship of Paul is for the obedience of faith among the nations. It is the obedience which springs from faith. In other words, grace accomplishes obedience. And so your obedience to God declares that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So I want to ask you this question. You, you, you say you're a Christian, that's good, and we're all recipients of grace, we're thankful. Well, not those of us who are born again. We know that we're the recipients of grace. So, how is that obedience of faith being displayed in your life on a day-to-day -day basis? The design of God is for you to be obedient, and when you're obedient to God, it's going to declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and God even designed how you're to be obedient. Unto Him be glory in the church. Your work in the church to bring glory to Jesus Christ. So, so just think about how you're being obedient to faith through His church and how you are declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So again, we're, we're thinking about declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and now 
we are declaring that he is the Son of God by our obedience to the faith. And so Paul is talking about his life and how he received grace and how he's an apostle and he went to preach the gospel among the nations so the nations can declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we're included in those nations and we're to declare that Jesus Christ is the Son of God daily in our lives and so we need to ask ourselves, how are we doing that? How are we making the name of God known? And so, you, which leads us to the next thing. Verse number 6 says, Among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ? So, Jesus Christ is declared to be the Son of God by your calling. The calling of Jesus Christ. You're called of Jesus for Jesus. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So you have been redeemed. And the reason you have been redeemed is because you have been called of God to be His saint. You're going to be declared to be the Son of God because you've been called by Jesus. But notice to what you have been called. Called to be saints. See, verse 7 says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. So what's that word saints mean? The word saints, the, the word Saints is hagios. In this case, hagios is translated saints. The word hagios is also translated holy. So you're called to be His holy ones. What does holy mean? Holy simply means set apart to God. So you are called to be holy. You're called to be a holy one of God. You're called to be set apart to God. You're called to be set apart from sin. Set apart so that God is the absolute standard of high moral character in your life. You're called to be holy. And when you walk in holiness, you know what you're doing? You're declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. When you walk separate from the world, you're declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. When you dedicate your life to God and you're living your life to Him, what are you doing? You're declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So, for the believer, it means that we are to be in the likeness of the nature with the Lord. We're to be likeness in nature with Jesus Christ. We're to be different from the world. That's what you've been called to. And every time that you're walking different from the world, and every time you're walking in the likeness of the nature of Jesus Christ, what you're doing is you're declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God because He has given you grace and He is transforming you. And you are with your life declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God has called you to be holy. 
in the likeness of his nature. So declare that Jesus is the Son of God with your life. So, I want you to think about this also. What are you declaring with your life if you're not walking in holiness? If you're not following a biblical standard of holiness, of what the Bible says, this is what holiness is. Take an example of, of a relationship between a male and a female before marriage. If you're not doing what the Bible says, you're going something, making your own decision of what you think the Bible says. You know, the Bible says, that Job said, I've made, a, uh, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a maid, not to look upon a maid. Jesus said, if a man looked upon a woman to lust after her, he committed adultery with her already in his heart. But you want to determine your own way of things. And so what are you declaring if you're not walking according to God's holy standard? What are you declaring? So let me ask you this question. What are you declaring with your life today? Are you declaring that Jesus is the Son of God, or are you declaring something different? Are you declaring that Jesus is the Son of God because you're walking in holiness? You have a biblical, a biblical standard of holiness. Your moral character is determined by what the Scripture says. What are you declaring with your life today? So, so Paul says that you're called, so you're declaring by being called, and, and you're you're declared by being a saint. You're declaring that Jesus is the Son of God by being a saint. But then, notice, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we, because we are saints, here's what we know. We receive grace and peace. So you're called to be a saint. But notice, because you are a saint, expect to receive grace and peace. If you're not walking in holiness, understand there's grace involved. God's going to give us grace, and He giveth more grace. He gives us grace that is greater than all our needs. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. But we should understand that as those called to be saints, we receive grace. And we, live, we receive peace. And I want you to see this. When you walk in peace in your Christian life, you're declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Because you've received the peace of God which passes all understanding. And the peace of God which passes all understanding is keeping your hearts and minds. So you're receiving peace. And when you walk in that peace, you are declaring that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so we've seen here that, that Paul is telling the Romans that Jesus Christ has been declared to be the Son of God. He is declared in the Scriptures, He's declared by Paul, and He's declared by us living as saints. We're all declaring, all of those things are testimonies to Jesus Christ being the Son of God. So, we look outside the window... And what do we see? 
The world is declaring loudly that it is broken. Lives are broken. Families are broken. Creation itself is broken. And Jesus declares that grace and peace are available because He is the Son of God. Today, the world outside that window needs to hear your declaration. They need to hear the, your declaration of the grace that you have received. They need to see you walking in the peace that passes all understanding. They need to see you walking in holiness. Because that's, that's to what you have been called. You've been called to walk in holiness. The, the world needs to see a declaration of the Son of God. And that this is who Jesus is. And this is what He does. And they need to see that declared in your life. But why is it that the world cannot find grace and peace? They can't find grace and peace because they're looking for it in the wrong place. But what do we know? That peace is coming. Here's what the one sitting on the throne says. Behold, I make all things new. There's a coming a time when the brokenness of all of this creation is going to be restored. It's going to be restored by the Son of God, Jesus Christ, making all things new. But the question is today, Will you find grace and peace in Him? Will you submit yourself to His way? Repenting of your sins and putting your faith in Him. Receiving the grace that He has given you. Walking in the Spirit as He has described. Being raised to walk in the newness of life. Being transformed. Will you receive the peace that only Jesus brings? Remember, peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. That's the message that Jesus brings. And Jesus brings that message because He is the Son of God and He has the ability to make all things new. So will you submit yourself to God and find the grace and peace that can only be found in Him? Or will you seek it another way? That's the question today. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time that we have to be in Your house and to look into Your Word. And we thank You that Jesus is the Son of God. And I pray, God, that we will walk in accordance with your word and then the hope that only you can give. We thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.